This is Design Huddle, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs and professionals looking to level up in their design career. Each week, myself, Brandon Gross, a designer and digital strategist, and Ryan Warner, a UX designer, step inside the minds of the most creative people on the planet. This podcast touches a variety of disciplines ranging from design, digital strategy, user experience, and social media. Our goal here is to educate by striking a balance between practical and creative advice. So if you like storytelling, funny commentary, and learning how to level up in your design career and get hired, subscribe to Design Huddle and join the fam. Thanks for listening. Now let's huddle. All right, guys, Design Huddle, how are we feeling today? Because I'm feeling super delicious. I hope you guys are feeling that as well. Guys, today we're going to get super down and nerdy with our guest today at Design Huddle. I'm super excited to bring you all of the information this man has. So we're going to give him the proper introduction because he is a master of UX usability and has over 25 years of experience in design and development fields. So to introduce him, he is the co-founder of the design and development practice at Kula Partners, Canada's first platinum HubSpot partner agency. He's been a professor at Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, where he's brought the understanding of web standards to the new generation of design students. He's also spoken at wonderful stages at conferences such as HubSpot's Inbound Conference on the topics of web design, usability, accessibility, marketing, and sales. If you want to get even nerdy outside of this podcast that we're going to have today, he's the co-host of The Cooler Ring, a weekly podcast that focuses on talking technology marketing and sales with some of the most interesting minds in manufacturing marketing. We are going to deep dive into his teaching experience and really get into what he's seen opportunity-wise for students or anybody alike trying to build their career in the design and development space. With all his expertise, we're just going to get into a lot of good topics today, so I'm very excited. So without any further ado, please help me welcome to Design Huddle, co-founder of Kula Speaker, family man and lover of barbecue, Jeff White. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you. So before we begin, how do you do all that you do with a family of three? I'm not even sure. That might be the old body. You might have four now. But you're <laughs> no, husband. no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. We, <laughs> you're done. We took care of that when the third one was on the way, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, we're good. We're going to. Yeah, gonna, no, he's, he's, he's in there. Up. It's all done. It's all good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance what you do? You've done so much. You're, you've been a professor. You obviously are running Kula Partners as a co-founder. You just told me today you were about to run on a sales call right after this. How do you do it? Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, hiring great people to do the things that I used to think I did well and making sure that yeah. they're even better at it than I am. And just really being open to change and iteration and learning from what you've done well and what you haven't done well and, and putting the right people in place to, uh, to make it even better. I, I think that's a huge part of it. I definitely agree with you. And I think that's really important. Obviously, we, we're going to be segueing a lot here because you just offer so much. I think it's really important that we have to understand as especially the people who I talk to a lot and myself as creatives, you want to have we just have a lot of pride over our creative process, our creative things and our output. And sometimes when it starts to get over capacity, we have to hire somebody who is better at certain things that we can offload so that we can free ourselves up to do that one important thing that yeah. we're great at. Yeah. Awesome. I, so I agree with you there. I'm super on this podcast. We get so many questions on how 
can we as students, as junior designers, better get into the career that we see for ourselves or get hired for the spot or the, you know, this position we want. So because you have been a professor, I wanted to kind of get into your mind or get out to our audience what you taught as a professor to bridge the gap between not just technical skill sets for people in your classroom, but also how you helped them kind of not just have the technical skills because people in jobs, they're not just looking for technical skills, correct? No. And we see that all the time when we're hiring. Yeah. So tell us, and and this is great. This is because we just talked about, you have to hire for other people that are exceptionally well to push off, you know, things that you might not be your strength. So how do you as a professor and as a business owner or co-founder, how do you position your students to best get hired, but as well as knowing like what people who are hiring are looking for. Can you explain that? Yeah. Us, like, I, from the- yeah. I think it's interesting because I mean, I, I see both sides of this in that, you know, a lot of the design schools, especially here in Canada are still largely focused. And this blows my mind. You know, there, there's a <laughs> whole lot of design students who are coming out who think that they're going to get jobs designing logos, brochures, and posters. Yeah. They really, and I think this is a problem for a lot of universities and and, uh, community colleges and and places like that, is actually finding current talent who are engaged and interested in delivering programming that are going to help students be able to understand how they can apply design thinking and usability and all of that to the web, to apps, to software, to solving those kinds of problems. I think I was very lucky uh, when I went to school uh, as young design student in the in the nineties, I had a cadre of professors who were all like, honest to God, they were all ex Ulm and Bauhaus profs from Germany who came to Canada and helped like create some of the most iconic design, like the CN identity for the Canadian National Railway and the wow. very first Helvetica based Revenue Canada tax forms in '69 and stuff like these were my profs, right? So. Yeah. And they were teaching semiotics and design theory and, and all of this other stuff. So we had this fantastic base, but not a lot of technical ability. Like if you wanted right. to learn Photoshop, you had to kind of do that. There were little computer courses that you could take as part of your degree as electives to learn how to use Photoshop or Cork Express or InDesign or whatever. So, But it was kind of up to you to take that design theory and apply it to the technical side of things. And I think it's still kind of true to this day that, you know, in higher end design schools, they're really largely about teaching you the theory of problem solving and of design thinking. And then it's sort of up to you to look to other sources, be it the web or or other places to find how do I code? How do I, how does CSS work? Like, how are all of those things working? So when I had the opportunity to teach, I decided to kind of bring my technical capabilities that I had built on top of that theoretical learning and create some curriculum that was based, you know, this would have been 2007, 2008, I think when I was teaching initially. And I had to kind of distill everything that I knew from a technical perspective and put it into the terms that young designers could understand and help them begin to think about how to structure HTML semantically and how you create cascading style sheets and what that means. And and I think it's a really difficult thing. And I mean, I'm horrible at math and and all of that kind of thing, but (laughs) I I was actually reasonably capable as a designer and a a front-end coder 
to be able to build some stuff and, and kind of learn from it. And, and certainly now uh, I'm able to apply that understanding, but I am, I'm way out of date. When, like when my team shows me how things are working now and the systems that they've built, it's just like it's way up here, right? Like it's, yeah. it's beyond uh, my ability. And I think that's just fantastic because, you know, we've been able to kind of create this company that can build these amazing things that, you know, I never could have built when I started it 16 years ago. So, you know, I think the thing with young design students is they have to have the drive and the interest to take what they know and what they're interested in and apply it to what the world of business kind of needs today. So, I mean, and the other thing too is that a lot of young designers come out of school and they immediately start freelancing. And I think freelancing is yeah. a really valuable thing to do and you can learn so much from it. But I always caution new grads that that shouldn't, you really probably want to go and work for somebody else first because mm. you make mistakes on their dime, not yours, because it's very expensive and there's a lot of lessons to be learned especially yep. on the business side of things, and it can ruin you. And it, it can be very difficult to build a business as a new designer while also trying to learn all the things you need to know about actually being a designer and executing the work. So, you know, take the opportunity when you're in school, find every online tutorial you can, go and see what's really interesting. I mean, when I was in school, I, I still remember this, it was like, I don't know if you remember David Carson and, and Raygun Magazine and all of these things that were kind of happening in the 90s, it was just, it was a really heady time for designers for this kind of deconstructivist movement and, you know, around the visual styling that people were putting out there and kind of breaking down typography and all of that. So I wish I could say I remember that. I was definitely playing with Legos. I was probably like three years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, who's that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, man, look up his stuff. Like Star Wars Legos. Yeah, well, Raygun Magazine was was huge in the in the mid '90s, and and they were just doing some. It basically, it was like Rolling Stone on acid. It was awesome, and we were just like I probably would have soaking liked it all in and kind of <laughs> taking that. But yeah, it was all about you know typography and what what you can do and and all that. Yeah, it was cool. I dig it. You really had a three points that I absolutely love. First of all, was that you said school teaches the theory of problem solving. I really want to go back uh, to that, but I just want to recap these three points that I think were absolutely excellent. So the theory of problem solving and not just taking theory, but learning the technicals, whether it's through, like you said, you had to figure out Photoshop or the other technicals side of the classroom. So I want to talk about how you or the students today can overcome. Well, that will just be another conversation. We'll get back to that. I just have so many questions in my mind and I'm just like, all right, just get the three out. So you also said, Students should understand what businesses need today and therefore be able to market themselves to those specific points. These businesses need this today, so therefore learn that and position yourself to that. I want to talk to you about how a specific case scenario of how students could do that. And then the last piece was freelancing shouldn't be on be the first step out of college because it's a way more lucrative to learn on somebody else's dime. I am a huge proponent of that. I tried to do exactly what you said not to do when I actually I didn't go to college, but I tried the startup freelancer mm -hmm. route and it was just trial by fire. Very not lucrative. I slept on the floor for quite a bit of time, but I highly agree. Like when you have students that say this, that they want to do freelance right out of college, how do you convince them that, you know, learning on somebody else's dime is the right way to go? Because I know I was probably the stubborn person like, 
no, Jeff, uh, I'm, I'm going to be gonna, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to do what I want to do. So what would you say to somebody? What would the conversation be like to somebody who says something like that? Well, I, I think the benefit to going out on your own early on, I guess, is that you get to learn what you're good at and what you're not and where you need to mm. grow, right? So, and it's going to become apparent very quickly, uh, yeah. especially because, you know, running a freelance business is not just about being a great designer or being a great developer or whatever. Mm. It's also about, it's always about sales. You know, being yeah. able to sell while you're doing is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And even the most talented of designers has an incredible struggle ahead of them if they've never done that kind of thing. I mean, my job now is 80% sales and 20% running this company, you know, yeah. I, and I oversee some of the design and I oversee that side of the practice and the development. But really, my main role here is to find the right clients and get on their radar and bring them into our agency as a client. So, you know, but that's a really hard thing to do. And a lot of us who are artistically bent or, or you know, artistically, more, yeah, like if we're, if you're kind of, I like, like that term, if you're, if you're a, a real design mind, that doesn't mean you're necessarily a great at business yet. You can be taught, but yeah. you're going to, you're going to need to learn those things. And I mean, a lot of that stuff that can, that can bankrupt you. I mean, if you do that wrong and you're not really good at what you, at kind of the running of the business side, you're, you're going to have a really hard time. When you go and work for an agency, yep. not only do you get to see, especially smaller agencies, you know, if you go into DDB or something, yeah, you're probably not going to see anything but your own department when you first start there. But if you go into yep. a smaller agency, anything under like 50 people, there's a really good chance that you're going to get to see all aspects of the business. You know, you're going to get to see the sales side. You're going to get to see the presenting to clients. You're going to get to see mm -hmm. the interactions with other team members who have different capabilities and skills than you. The other problem with being a freelancer these days is that, you know, if you're going to be building websites, you better know how to write. You better know how to do marketing strategy. You better know how yep. to do SEO. You better know how to do all of that. And then you got to still do your invoicing and your sales and everything else on top of it. So getting in with, you know, with a good small agency where you can learn from other people is going to give you the opportunity to see all the different aspects. And then you can, you can take that once you've had some experience and apply it to your own business if you want to do that afterwards. You may find that that's not what you want to do. But, you know, once yeah. you've had that opportunity and whether you get an opportunity to in intern somewhere or you get an opportunity to get a job right out of school or whatever that yeah. happens to be, you're going to learn so much from the other people around you that if you're a freelancer and you're just working in your basement or, or whatever, you're, you're really siloed and it's alone. <laughs> it's hard work yeah. and it's stressful and it, it's really tough. And I think setting yourself up for success as you're either coming out of school or kind of trying to, uh, to break into this career is going to be that much easier if you surround yourself with good people. It's like anything else, you know? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, that's one thing that 
there's two things that you said that really hit me because the first thing was if you try to go freelance, you'll figure out what you're really good at immediately. You're really building on your strengths, but surrounding yourself with good people allows you to focus and double down on your strengths without the weaknesses part, because you have a team that can kind of pick up the slack where you are falling short. And I don't know, this is something that I always thought was interesting because when I stopped working in like basically as my own silo, large amount of technical skill, but then I went into an agency, a small agency, just like you said, that <laughs> to learn on somebody else's dime. And I noticed there was a couple of things missing. It was the language barrier of what exactly how things were talked about. And that was the main thing. But then everybody else's technical skill is not up to what I thought was standard, but I just didn't have the language. Right. So I thought that was very interesting. So I had to like, I was very good at what I did, but then like my weaknesses definitely showed. And it was definitely harder for me to, I was not a team player. <laughs> so there was, yeah. there was a lot of arrogance that came with that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like you're starting to, you know, in my mind, you're playing therapist today, Jeff. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's what all of these things are, man. <laughs> Guys, this is not a, this is a podcast selfishly for me. No, um, <laughs> Jeff gave us 30 minutes of his time to play therapist. No, I think that's a great point. Like spending time. And I think, a would you say a great way to balance this is like spend time on your own, like developing your technical expertise, but go in an agency, just like you said, to learn the operations, because if you're by yourself, you're going to have to wear all those hats that take such a long time. Yeah. To and you can figure you can out. figure out later if you want to do that and wear all those hats and and start freelancing full time or yeah. begin to build an agency or or whatever yeah. it is that you want to do. But the other thing is today, it especially designers have a really unique set of skills, you know, and and it's a very valuable skill set that is being recognized by all kinds of different businesses. I was talking to a billion and a half manufacturer the other day on our podcast and this woman had a design thinking certificate from uh, Cornell University, and she yeah. was bringing that model of thinking to this big, old, 150-year-old manufacturer business as they were undertaking a rebrand and redevelopment of their own communications web and, and all that internally. And she's bringing wow. this thinking there. So there are opportunities for designers and people with technical development skill in all these different kinds of businesses that were never really there before. I mean, we can work for agencies, we can freelance, we can go work for startups as a UX expert on applications and stuff like that. We can go work in more traditional businesses that have a lot of capacity for bringing that kind of talent in-house. We see it all the time, especially in the kind of B2B manufacturing world where that we serve, where... I mean, man, I, I've talked to a couple of folks on our podcast that have 20, 30 person internal agencies inside of a 3000 person company, right? And they're yeah. doing content creation, they're doing like video miniseries, they're doing social, they're doing, they're building their own web properties, they're doing all of this stuff. And meanwhile, you're getting to interface at the same time with the engineers who are building the product and the production facilities in China and and, 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 you know, and so just the opportunities to kind of bring design theory and development ability and all of that and bring it in client side, you know, what would traditionally be thought of as client side, man, there's a lot of opportunities for designers to do that. But the thing is, like, they're not going to hire somebody straight out of school. You know, you're going to have to kind of find, unless you're particularly good at 
like, man, the communication skills that are required of a designer these days to be able to write and speak and do mm-hmm. all of that. Like, I, the other thing that I, I always tell um, young designers that I meet with is that, you know, you really try and guest on some podcasts, start your own, look for speaking yes. opportunities at, at pod camps and demo camps and things like that where you can Personal kind of, branding, basically. Yeah, man, it, the it, game is... Well, I can't say the game has totally changed. I think the landscape has changed, allowing for people to brand themselves easier than in the past. Would you agree? I think that's 100% true. And and I think there's an opportunity in a really low risk kind of environment. Because, man, if you go to a like, we have an awesome pod camp here in Halifax that uh, yeah. has been going on for a number of years. And anyone who wants to speak can sign up and speak. And you know, you have an opportunity there in a really low risk way with a bunch of people you yeah. probably already know to get up in front of them and, and give a talk on something that you're passionate about. And, you know, you can parlay that into bigger and bigger speaking gigs until you're finally speaking in front of like a thousand people in inbound or something like that. You know, like it's, yeah. there's, a, there's a local guy, uh, Ross Simmons, who's been doing an amazing job and he's like speaking on, you know, the Moz stage and all this other stuff too. And That's he's excellent. just kind of like, Started out doing fantasy football talks here in town, you know, <laughs> like, and now he's like <laughs> from fantasy football to yeah, Moss. He's one of the like, you know, most amazing uh, speakers I've seen. And, you know, it's just he's honed that skill and that public communication and speaking and writing, blogging, whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah. You know, those are all foundational now to any sort of opportunity that you might want to find. And it also helps get you visible so you can get that next job. Yeah, that's absolutely excellent. I'm very happy that, because that was actually one of my questions. I'm glad we segued there naturally. No, because, and we even talked about the outside of the social media atmosphere. Like, granted, that's one aspect, but being able to find a way to get yourself on stage, whether you're kind of grooming yourself, giving yourself opportunities or taking opportunities that allow yourself to groom yourself in the way that you would like to give yourself some trajectory. So what is it? And people always say, oh, you can't, you know, get a job can't have experience without experience. I forget what it is. I have no <laughs> idea. Whatever the term is. Or how do I get experience without experience? I think that's it. Doing free opportune sort of things like speaking engagements, getting that experience, showing that you can actually get your expertise or what you have to say on stage and get that publicity is is highly important. So the technical aspect, you know, I feel like is kind of taking a back seat. Like a lot of people don't care about that. They care about to, to agree. Can you get this thing done? But, you know, Anybody can create a process and hand it to any, you know, low cost provider and get a service done. Whereas a lot of the work today is thinking it's knowledge based. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think about that? How do you feel about like the technical prowess versus the knowledge base worker? I would agree. I mean, obviously, there, there's a, a minimum standard of quality that anybody looking to to hire, but you, you're quite right. I mean, a lot of this stuff has been commoditized, you know, whether it's, yeah. you know, the development of a WordPress site or execution of a PPC campaign or whatever. Like, man, I get a thousand emails in my inbox every day from people offshore <laughs> who are willing to do that for peanuts, you know, and they're probably all right at it. I don't know. I've never hired them. Yeah. The thing about being able to communicate your expertise requires Mm -hmm. sitting down and distilling that experience, ability, technical prowess, whatever, and putting it into words in a way that other people can understand. I think that was, I often say like, you know, if you look at my resume, at my teaching, my short teaching career in in a university is more valuable to me to say that I have taught there than that I am teaching there. And Mm. what I mean by that is that I was able to take 
the technical ability that I had at that point in my career and turn that into something that I could teach 20 kids in a room how to do what I did. Right. And to be able to distill that down mm-hmm. and, you know, they didn't all get it, but most of them did. You know, but if you can kind of put They're that... Gonna listen to, why would you say that? <laughs> They're going to find you, Jeff. But anyway, continue. No, man, I, I even hired some of them. So, um, oh, okay. But, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you know, I think it is the kind of thing that if, if you can take what you know and explain it to somebody else that they can do it too, like that yeah. that's a special level of capability and communication that isn't necessarily present in everybody. And, and I think you can parlay that into an awful lot of opportunity simply by being able to explain how to do what you do to somebody else. And that was one of the biggest learnings I had kind of building this company was when I was first hiring people, I was trying to hire me. Like I mm-hmm. wanted people who could code, people who could design, people who could write a blog post, people who could speak, you know. Yeah. And what I realized is that there's not that many people who can do all those things. But there are lots of people who can code and write a great email you know like i have developers that work for me that can communicate with a client better than an account manager you know like amazing people who have those capabilities and they can show other people how to do what they do and and all of that but you know you don't have to be able to do all of those things but you should be able to to write and to speak no matter what your other technical capabilities are Definitely. Communication is definitely big. And you even mentioned that, you know, some of the technical prowess of some of those who work with you are just astounding in addition to their communication piece. What is it? Peter Drucker says, you know, find the one thing that you can apply to the organization that you're working in, or even as an executive, like what is the one thing that nobody else can bring to the table but you? And for those of you guys who are wondering, like, who the hell Peter Drucker is, he's the, I believe he's the author of Effective Executive. It's a great book. But Anyway, we're running low on time. I want to ask one more question, then we're going to get you to be like, hey, this is where you guys can find me. So for those who you meet on a daily basis, whether it's those, your employees, your students in the past, or anybody that you're mentoring currently, what is the one thing that you would have them take away from a conversation for you from that conversation that would allow them to level up in their career or get better at what it is that they do? Man, I think that's changed for me over the years as I've gotten more mature or less yeah. or, or something like that. But <laughs> as it should, which, <laughs> that's good to hear. I'm not sure it got better or what. But I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that go into that. I've already talked about the communication. I've already talked about being willing yeah. to experiment outside of what you think you're good at in order to learn and have it. If we could all have the level of initiative that I see some of these young kids coming out, you know, who are trying to learn and do and and see the next thing and kind of bring that to life for themselves and for clients and for employers, then, I mean, we would all be much better off. I think being willing to look for opportunity and take that chance and, and take that initiative to go and learn that thing and bring it to life and then show other people how you did it. I have a front end architect that works for us that is just the most phenomenal experimenter I've ever met you know he will he'll go out and and just build something and then like one day we were doing lunch and learns and everybody in the team had to kind of give a presentation over the course of the year and this guy came out and he'd done this whole presentation about called it learn new shit and uh, (laughs) and at the end of the presentation he goes oh yeah I built this presentation tool using HubSpot and he had like 
developed a whole like mini PowerPoint into the HubSpot landing page tool, you know, and it just kind of experimented until he realized how he could make that thing happen. And that was like the, you know, flip the switch at the end and just kind of blew everybody's mind. And so like people who take that kind of initiative, I think there will always be tons of opportunity for them. And and if I had one other thing that, that I would say, you know, helps people kind of deal with the rigors of uh, agency life or, or all of that is like, man, just take care of yourself, you know, like get some exercise, eat well, yeah. drink good beer, you know, whatever that happens to be. <laughs> but, you know, like just, I think you can really quickly, especially if you're freelancing, you can really let yourself mm. get run down and you can have a really hard time and because of that. So if you can, uh, find a way to kind of keep activity in other parts of your life, whether you're playing sports or, or riding a bike or, or doing whatever, you know, like that, that is a huge thing that will pay dividends for the rest of your life. Enjoy the taste of barbecue. Absolutely. No, that's <laughs> absolutely excellent. And, and just to recap everything on here for everybody, everything you said, I really enjoyed this conversation. I loved how you said the theory, understanding that school teaches the theory of problem solving, and yet the couple that with technicals, whether you're learning online, figuring or finding a mentor to help you, you know, learn something outside of just the theory, understanding what business needs today, what the next thing is, and having the ability to take initiative on giving those businesses what it is that they're looking for, understanding what school offers and what freelancing or doing your own thing or what a business offers in terms of your own self-education. The ability to figure out what you're good at is what we've talked about from the freelancing side of things. You can figure out what your one, what you can bring to the table that 100% nobody else can bring. You learn that a lot quicker. In my experience, that's also been the same thing. Learning on someone else's dime is highly also important because you can learn not only what you're good at, but you can also figure out the other pieces in your life that you would need if you were to go on your own and how a whole organization works. And also that out here in the world, there's so many more opportunities than we think. Obviously, there's more to than just working for the Facebooks, the Googles, whatnot. Like you said, you work with these large B2B companies that, you know, some of them are just now bringing these new ways of thought, new different digital strategies into their organization. So there's more than just these, you know, new tech companies that we can work for. And we just have to find the opportunity to work with them. And also, we talked a lot about communication and being able to find ways to brand yourself How and really figuring out, like, how do you want to develop yourself? That should help you figure out what type of job you want to go look for, what type of technical work you should really try to learn. And that was really the most, I think, the most important piece for in our conversation, because a lot of people are just like technical, technical. I can do this in, in Photoshop. I can dev this. But it's really those communication pieces that really tie all that stuff stuff together and how well you can communicate your technical prowess and to tie it all up guys in the words of my man jeff white take initiative learn some shit and take care of yourself so (laughs) thank you so much jeff i highly appreciate it before we close out where can we find you sure so uh coolapartners.com that's k-u-l-a-p-a-r-t-n-e-r-s.com that's our site links off to all of our different stuff our podcast blog various social profiles, all that. Excellente. So guys, follow my man, Jeff, and we will see you on the next episode of Design Huddle. Peace. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brennan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode.